Hello and welcome to another episode of Justice Rising, where we explore how we can work toward liberation, healing, and transformation one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Samantha Anity. This week, we kick off a three-part Lenten series on iconography. What is iconography and what does it have to do with Lent? Iconography is an ancient tradition designed to help people enter into a deeper prayer life. Icons are actually prayers themselves that are read, much like a book. Unlike books that use words to communicate a message, icons use imagery to teach and instruct theology and scripture. When we read an icon, we are entering into the imagery through our imagination, which is a form of prayer. During Lent, we enter into a season of prayer that draws us deeper in communion with God. In our faith tradition, especially during Lent and Holy Week, icons are traditionally used as a tool for deeper engagement with the divine. But there's one major problem with ancient icons. They don't represent the inclusivity or diversity of the body of Christ. So how can we draw closer to God in prayer with sacred imagery that feels so distant? On these next three episodes, we will unpack some of these ideas about sacred imagery and rethink how we can see ourselves as the body of Christ. To start off this conversation on iconography is Gracie Morbitzer of Modern Saint. Gracie is a recent graduate of the Columbus School of Art and Design, where she studied interior architecture and design with a focus in exhibit and set designs. Her mission is to reimagine these extraordinary people as modern, everyday humans, because that is exactly what they were. And they remind us of ourselves. They show us that we can be saints just like them. The saints were hopeless, spunky, terrified, lonely, individualistic, rebellious, progressing, loving, ambitious, countercultural, or boisterous outcasts and sinners who reached beyond themselves and made the world and themselves so much better. Gracie lives in Columbus, Ohio, and draws much of her creative inspiration from living in Columbus. She is a self-taught painter. Thanks for being part of this journey. Thanks for inviting me. Do you consider yourself an iconographer or an artist or both or? Mostly I would consider myself an artist just because the focus that I have for the background behind this project is more important, honestly, to me than sticking to the sometimes really strict rules of iconography. I would consider artists as more of my title, even though they are meant to be prayer aids. What are the strict rules for icon for creating iconography? It depends on the culture that you're going with, but a lot of them are which saints you actually start with. You start with an icon of Jesus and then one of Mary, um, which I actually did on accident before I even knew those rules. And then just the way that you layer on paint as well, and the types of paint that you use, the materials that you use, all of that can be really strict depending on the practice that you're following. Interesting. I did not realize that. How did Modern Saints, how did this whole process start for you? It's a funny story because it actually started with going to a yard sale, um, pretty much as always. That's how things start for me. <laughs> Love yard sales. But I found this box of free materials and in it were these two wooden plaques. 
And so I had just gotten to college. I went to Columbus College of Art and Design and I was living in the dorms and I had a lot of art that I thought represented me that I could hang up while I was there, but I didn't have anything yet that was really representative of my faith. So those two pieces that I found, I thought looked a lot like pieces of wood that icons might be on. So I decided that's what I would use those for. And I would put those up in my dorm room. But I couldn't really decide on what kind of style I wanted to paint these images in or what exactly I wanted to do. So I started out with just a rough idea of one of Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary. But I couldn't really, I just left it on a step that was unfinished and just thought, for now, what if I just put Jesus in a white t-shirt and just leave it at that? And when I left it at that point and I had completed that part, it was actually really a moving experience. And I realized, wow, I could really relate to someone who looks like that a lot more easily. So after that, I was at more yard sales. I found some more really interesting pieces of wood. And so I thought, I might as well paint St. Genevieve, who's my patron saint, and then maybe a few other ones. And so I'd put some pictures up of these on social media and I had friends who I'd gone to school with or family members contact me and ask me to paint a specific saint that was really important to them and interesting to them. They thought the same thing I did, that they were very relatable. And what I was noticing too was at this, at my college where there were not really any faith groups, this is a small school. It's also very focused on design. Most of the clubs and activities are focused on design as well. So there weren't really any faith-based groups or anything at that time. And there wasn't really a community either. So I was noticing that people who I met and who I had over in my dorm would notice these as well. And they would say, oh, this person looks like me or looks like someone I know. And that would lead to questions, which would lead to conversations, which were so fascinating. And then when I became an RA, that was even more of an important role in just learning about the lives of all these people, especially people who'd been really hurt by people in the name of Christianity or people who really struggled with realizing what faith meant to them. Because all of their stories, when I heard them, reminded me of stories of the saints too. So it was like a purpose that I had to be able to keep going in painting more and more of these because the more that I had, the more people could realize how varied the lives and the gifts of the saints were and how more easily they could relate to them if they did know. That's an incredible story. I think it's really interesting how our lives unfold in a way that's like really unexpected where we can find, like you go to a yard sale and you find pieces of materials or wood and and it grows into like where is my experience of god or the saints or spirituality and what i uh, love about the work that you create is like you said people find their lives stories in these pieces and i think it shows how diverse the body of christ is and our church and how relatable are we have this idea of, oh, there's so much more holier 
than us and we can possibly achieve uh, sainthood in our life and and they're nothing like us or they don't look anything like us when the reality is they weren't all from Europe mm-hmm. <laughs> they were from Africa and and Latin America and uh, Asia and you've done such a beautiful job of opening up these conversations of around race and gender and identity that I really feel like people, particularly young people of faith that, like you said, wrestle with these spaces and feel like they can't see themselves in the church or been hurt by the church can maybe enter into these, this visual that you've created for this conversation that you've created. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Just the fact that most icons, either because of those traditions or just how the medieval Christians made them more relatable to them, most of these saints are pictured as old and white and also not very expression. Like they don't have much expression either. And so that's if that's the only art that you see when you're either interested in the church or not sure about where you fit within it, you're definitely less likely to see yourself fitting into it. What I like about pieces like St. Francis of Assisi and Claire of Assisi, like they're just like leaning on each other. Because <laughs> they were brother and sister, correct? Or they, no, they were just very good friends. But very they good friends. like took care of each other when they were older and okay. um, spoke up for each other too. Because they had that companionship. And I guess my brain just processed brother and sister because maybe it was your art that created that idea. I also like contemporary depictions. I think um, what's been interesting for me, and I know that when I've shared my, I've shared your art on my stories, like for Instagram or for people clutch their pearls in a sense, because they're like, wait a minute, his, particularly around the feast of Our Lady Guadalupe and how that there are Juan Diego and Our Lady Guadalupe had like companion saint days, similarly to Augustus, Augustine and, and Monica. Mm-hmm. And there's another artist that was depicting different Guadalupe as our version of Guadalupe, like, like either sewing as a seamstress or as a worker or like a garment worker or something. And it threw people off because it was like, <laughs> I did see those. <laughs> and um, then your piece is like, she's like a teenage girl and she's wearing like is it a, I forgot is it like a dress like she's wearing some kind of dress with like mm-hmm. a pair of sneakers or something like that right. and then Juan Diego is totally not what you expect he's wearing but he's wearing like <laughs> jeans and he's got like a t-shirt on and everything and I also like the gospel writers that or like Peter and Paul, they just look like normal guys that would be like <laughs> on the street smoking cigarettes or just yeah, and young. And that's the thing that people mm-hmm. don't understand that people either like they died young or right. they were, I, I, I think we forget that too. Even Mary and Joseph were young. Mm-hmm. They're often de- like Joseph is often depicted as like an old frail and he was young. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not trying to sound ageist or anything like that, but it's just, we lose sense of of age and 
race and gender and all these things when we look at art. Where do you find your inspiration for all of this? A lot of it comes from people that I do know. So usually when I start with their story, either it reminds me of someone that I know, someone whose life really mirrors the situations they were born into or someone who has similar gifts and talents. So I take a lot of references from people I know. For example, all of the roommates I've ever lived with are somewhere represented in some of the scenes just because they either had similar lives or gifts. And it also comes from people, just references of people who live in the regions that they were from so that I can get that. And it's also references from just people who I think have a certain energy that really reflects the energy that this saint had when they were living, whether it was what they were fighting for or the way that they interacted with people. And then their clothing and like all of the colors and symbols, that all really comes from their stories. Any symbol that I can possibly include, maybe like a certain animal that they had as a pet or a talent or a skill that they had, some kind of gift and job that they had, If I can represent that in any way in their portrait as well, even just if it's a color that has something to do with something that was important to them, all of that I try to bring into play whenever I can in the uh, specific pieces. I think it's really interesting that you don't shy away from their humanity and what makes them relatable. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you also have taken famous um, pieces of art and built off of them, like how people were depicted through their martyrdom. When you read about some of the tortures that some of them went through and the ways that they were put to death, it's just so terrible. It makes, I think it makes it a lot harder for people to think that if they were in that situation, that would be something that they could do. Or they may see that and just think, if that's what I have to do to be part of this faith, then I'm not sure I'm ready. Taking those aspects out of their portraits and making them more real, even if they are very sad or scared or um, upset in their image, in their expression, just to know that like they were the normal people, but did face that and did overcome that. I think that's more important than the, the actual violence for sure. For sure. And I think part of what why people struggle with any topic of faith is the idea that God is a God of violence and destruction and God is not a God of violence and destruction that our material world, our fallenness, our brokenness is what's creating these systems of injustice. It's also part of the complicated mystery of life. We don't understand and see all pieces. Do you have a favorite piece that you've created or a favorite scene or something that you're you're drawn to? I don't have a favorite piece. I would change my mind every single day if I had to pick one just because sometimes they stand out at certain times for different reasons. But my favorite saint, if I had to pick one, my patron is Saint Genevieve. She was amazing, but my current favorite has been Saint Hildegard of Bingen. She wasn't canonized yet when I was confirmed or else I definitely would have chosen her. But just the way that she lived without taking a break, really, she rested definitely. And she was kind to herself and her health and her 
priorities, but she was always trying to figure out how to make her world and the world as a whole better, either by using her gifts for creating or by using science and studies to learn about the earth and what we have. And even in warning people about habitat destruction and our destruction of the environment, even before I can hardly imagine how terrible the destruction must have been in the dark ages when she wrote about that. So comparing that to today, I think that's why she's so important. She just had so much insight and her biggest goal was to just always live and be happy to be alive and like take that as a gift from God and just be one with creation. And I think that's so important just because so many people um, before her time were advocating for theologies of either just we're just ready for heaven and we can't even take the time or the energy to enjoy anything about life in this earth. And she was not like that. She was all about joy and art and the arts in general and um, doing what we can while we're here. So I just really appreciate that about her. Have you had any uh, negative feedback or any pushback for your, your art and how you've reimagined or imagined these pieces? Mm-hmm. The comments that I get most often are about tattoos or piercings or any clothing that I depict that maybe might not be up to whoever it is standards of modesty. But when I get uh, deeper comments about the theology behind it, one of the things I got a few times was about how when we make people look like ourselves, what kind of what kind of message are we sending? And somehow they thought that paintings from the Renaissance and even before where all of the European artists were doing were representing these biblical figures as looking like them, even though it was incorrect, historically inaccurate. So I think one of the things that I always say to things like that is that there's been a lot of studies done on how we perceive people in power in our communities and how that relates to how we perceive people who we think are important and the most deserving of praise and worship. And of course, in our faith traditions, that would be Jesus and God and the apostles and Mary and the saints. So they've found that if that we are representing these people as older and white and usually men, then people, no matter what their own backgrounds are and no matter what they look like and what, no matter what their cultures are, will also at least subconsciously feel that those are the type of people who should be in power in our human uh, lives. And so that's usually how I respond to um, that sort of comment. But sometimes I just in general get people who think that it's disrespectful to the saints to represent them this way or that it's just not, it's like trying to make the church basically. It's like, like what else would the purpose behind all this be except to try and make it hit them like something that would just draw people in that way. And to that, there is obviously a lot of more reasons behind what I do than just to make it cool for sure. But 
I think that my argument there is honestly that they were cool. And the fact that we've been representing them for so long as people who were not cool or who were just like sad or boring or whatever is a bigger disservice than anything that we could be doing now. These people were so active and passionate and did so many things that you would never guess from ancient portraits of them just because they're either standing there and have no expression or no color. So I think realizing how interesting these people were is definitely a lot more important than anything else in that aspect. But it is tough. There are some times where I can't argue with whatever it is that they're trying to bring up just because this is, my work is about art and not, it has the theology behind it, but of course I'm not trained in any theological courses. And when it gets very deep, there's not much that I can say, but I do know that I have had so many more people who are moved by this or so many more people who think a different way, at least when they see these, that I can know at least that what I'm doing is hopefully on the right path and is more helpful than it would be hurtful in any way. Yeah, I think what ultimately, what is it doing? It's providing a space for conversation, which is what art provides us. And like going back to the point that you made earlier about the Renaissance artists, I'm sure people were appalled by them, like Mm -hmm. they're wearing our normal, like our regular everyday clothes. And there was a lot of draping involved in their wardrobe, but it was still their contemporary clothing. And they, maybe they didn't have like blue hair and nose piercings, tattoos, but I'm sure people were probably saying very similar things. And even recently read something about somebody wanting to drape a image of Mary because she was breastfeeding and it was like these breasts are exposed in the Vatican. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's similar thing to Mm -hmm. what these saints went through. Like my favorite story of Teresa of Avila and you depict her and she looks like a friend of mine. And every time (laughs) I see that painting, I'm like, Oh, that looks like someone. (laughs) <laughs> but my favorite story of Teresa of Avila is how scandalized the bishops were because she had this experience of God that was transformative and they placed their their interpretation of her experience of God as something scandalous and shameful and bad and it's I often think about that when I look at sacred art it's we're just interpreting these people and experiences and our experience of God, the way that we see the world. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What is yeah. your hope for her people of faith and for our church? What is your like dream that you would like to see um, come to fruition? I, I know that's the big question, but like maybe mm-hmm. working through your process, like through your art, what do you want to imagine or create? There are definitely so many things that I would hope for that. But starting at this point with what I'm working on right now, one of the things that I would really like to see is more of an outreach to the people who have had their view of Christianity skewed by other people that have been in their lives who 
use it for either they use the name of Christianity for whatever abuse or theology that hurts these people to do that for. And so just from my experience of being an RA and trying to work on this project in general, meeting so many people who've had this experience, I think the saints are a way to start with that because so many of them were also hurt by people like this or were people like this originally. And so then them being able to overcome that is an example that I think that the church could use to reach out more to these people and not reaching out with theology right away, but with conversations and just honest care and concern and hoping to meet whatever direct needs they have before anything else. And then I would also hope for just more of a space for conversations to happen about the saints and about people who have similar experiences and what they can bring to the church and to the community. Just knowing how many people are out there who could offer so many things to our faith, but can't either because their voices are silenced because they're not traditionally thought of as fit for certain roles in the church or whether because they are just not sure that they that would be a place for them. That is also something I would hope for. And then lastly, too, I would just hope that there would be more artists out there who would not necessarily this project, but with other projects, try to represent their own ideas as well of how we could see things differently and do things differently that might need it at this point because it's been so long or because we've gotten so stuck in thinking about something in one specific way. I think we just really need more art in general that will prompt more conversations and will guide us to new ideas that either need revived or need brought up for the first time. And art in general is so good at incorporating the artist's own life story and the artist's own culture. And that's what the saints would have wanted. So the more diverse that we can make those stories, the better because the more that we'll learn and the more that we'll grow from that. And that's really important at this point. Yeah, for sure. I think um, having a space where people feel included and received and welcomed into our faith is vital. I think you're creating the space for some people to step into these conversations that are really important. How has your faith or your experience of God or spirituality, how have these things um, changed or have they changed through this process? Oh, they definitely have changed. I had grown up in Catholic school for my whole life, honestly, until I went off to college. So I always thought during those years that I had a pretty strong faith. It was important while I was in those schools. It was almost like a like a popularity status to be a person of strong faith, which is, I have a lot of comments on that. But so that was my life up until that point. And then when I got to college, I didn't have that anymore. And honestly, 
sometimes was received with a little bit of hostility just because that was one of my titles. Again, nothing I could blame them for because they've been so hurt. And there were so many misunderstandings, which is something, again, that this project was working to hopefully heal. So having those polar opposites, I think, really challenged my faith for a while. And that's where I think this project came into play because it was like making a bridge between those two worlds. Mm -hmm. And I had always known that my place was somewhere between those two worlds. So just feeling like I could finally figure out what it was that I was supposed to do there was really fulfilling and just really made me feel like I was on a much better path um, in my faith life than I had been for the whole time that I had been, you know, in Catholic school and surrounded by um, other people who were constantly thinking and, and saying, and believing the same things. So, I, yeah, I think it's grown. It's only grown since then, but in a way that I didn't expect and almost in a way that I would have thought was not <laughs> growth for the longest time. But I'm very thankful for that because it's the work that I'm doing just is so much so spiritual itself. Just being able to learn about these people is just so inspiring and being able to take the time to do something that is honoring them, but also hopefully continuing their legacy by helping other people by having it in the world today. That's just very fulfilling for me. And the fact that I can do something to help our society as it is, and not just to live for some theological ideas that came up were come up with thousands of years ago. That's really important <laughs> to me too, just to feel that it's here and now and what I'm doing is present and needed and current and it's helping people now and not just helping people either in heaven or in the past or in any other place. That's really my favorite thing about it. Mm, that's really beautiful. Is there a saint that is on your list of ones that you want to create? I have a lot on my list that I want to create. I love that you mentioned Francis and Claire together because I'm hoping to do a lot more pairings. I just think that that's really moving not only to create that, but also for a lot of people, they really love being able to see like the interactions of the two saints. So I'm hoping mm -hmm. to do one of both Mary and Joseph together. I'm hoping to do one of Jesus with Mary Magdalene. That's always been one of my favorite relationships to meditate on. And then also one of St. Francis de Sales and St. Jane Francis, since they were also very good friends and I admire both of them a lot. And then, yeah, in general too, I'm going to hopefully have one of Francis by himself and Apollonia is another saint that I have on the list. Yeah, there's so many more. <laughs> wow. I love the idea of parents because I think we mm -hmm. forget who who's lived in what time period and that they had friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you can and you can encourage each other through your spiritual journeys. I think people forget that. There's a all of the sacred art iconography. It's a communal process, right? Our faith mm -hmm. is not insular. And I think we get stuck get stuck in that idea. Right. 
Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So where do you find, I know you mentioned the people in your life have inspired your art. What are like some attributes that of the people in your life that it probably inspire you the most? If they were the patron saint of something, like if you were the patron saint of something, what would you be? And if your friends were like, what would they be the patron saint of? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. I would have to think about it for me. But I love this question because I did a workshop a while ago where after I talked about my work, the assignment for the school group was to draw themselves as a saint and decide what they would be the patron saint of. And one of the adult members in the group was saying that he, it really took him a while to be able to just draw the halo um, in the image because he, it almost made him uncomfortable to think about him being among the saints and being holy enough to have that. So I think that thinking about this kind of question in general too, really helps our perception of the saints and being a saint and the holiness too, because they really could be, our friends really could be. And yeah, for me, oh goodness, there's a lot of things I would hope to be a patron saint of, but one of them would definitely be any type of creating, just inspiration and creation (laughs) in general. And then also concerts. I would love that. (laughs) That is where I find so much inspiration just from the energy and from the joy and from the art that's there. And um, that would be amazing. Yeah. But so for some of my friends, the things that I look to them for are empathy. We need a lot of patron saints for empathy. Actually, I don't think there is one official one right now for that. And we really need that in our day and age. I also admire their openness and their ability to just keep trying. I have so many friends who have been through so much and it seems like just everything terrible in the world happens to them and they just keep trying. And so I could definitely see them as patrons of that as well. Patrons of resiliency. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I think that's a really um, beautiful thing to name the pieces of things, of parts of ourself, our being, of our heart. That's hard. And I think that's how we've framed or named saints. We, I think we haven't done a very good job of doing that in the past of saying if somebody was a, like my confirmation saint is Dimpna and mm-hmm. she's anxiety, depression, social disorders, but she was fleeing from a disturbed step-parent, step-father, I think that was, Mm -hmm. and so there's always a story also of his mental illness or something like that. And the way that it's been framed and told is, I think, very damaging to -hmm. people that would like struggle with mental health. And I was like, we don't use saints and ask for their intercession because there's should be like a healing, a conversation around healing and restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, or we frame things for other saints that, that are damaging for survivors of abuse. And it's, mm-hmm. I think we need more, like you said, empathy and resiliency. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You do run into saints sometimes too, who you would just wonder 
how they were canonized in the first place. It seems like some of the things they did were not so great. So having those conversations are just as important as looking at the good things that the the others have done, especially if they were in a family of saints. Not all of them were always the most reliable or the most holy people. So that's important too. Mm-hmm. It's important to name these very human traits, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So thank you for creating a space for this dialogue. I think it's very important. Thank you. Where can we support your work, purchase your work, um, learn more about what you do? Sure. So my main resource is themodernsaints.com. It's my website for not only purchasing, but also learning about the saints. My project over this last spring and summer was writing my own biographies for all of the 100 plus saints that are on there. So that's been really inspiring. There's also a prayer for each one of them. And there are links to the two organizations and to projects and to causes in general that I thought each saint would be invested in if they were living today. So that's another fun thing that's on there. For social media, my Instagram is at the modern saints by Gracie with underscores between each word. And there's a lot of really fun things on there as well. So those will be the two. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Thank you, really. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next time as I talk with iconographer Kelly Lattimore as we continue our Lenten journey examining the images that we use to illustrate our faith. Don't miss the remainder of these series, so be sure to hit the subscribe button and listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.